Andrew Beck. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and in this episode I sit down with Andrew. Now, 12 years ago, him, myself, and Jono started Wild Eye. I knew Andrew before, he was in conservation, he did a little bit of freelance guiding, that's where I met him in Medique, and when I then started to run some of my own photographic workshops, courses through my previous company called Photo Africa, Andrew was running a company called Moya Watenga, which was travel transfers, guiding and such. And I used his services in order to facilitate some Pilansburg uh, safaris and stuff that I was planning, workshops. Uh, very quickly, Andrew and I started lecturing together. He co-hosted the first Mara trip that I arranged to the to the Mara, and which eventually became our first wildlife trip. Uh, phenomenal guy, one of the best work ethics I've seen in my life in any genre or, or industry, and absolutely a pleasure and privilege to have Andrew as my co-founder and partner in this amazing thing. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Like one false start is not too bad. Okay, so I'm going to pick up the conversation. I'm, in the previous episode, I spoke to Laura, and at the end, I asked her the momentum we've built, kind of with the the the, the then and now thing you guys put together, and with the mood in the office and everybody, the strategy, everything. Where do you think this is going? Where can it go? Sure, it's a it's a interesting one, and I, I think we're you know in a very privileged pos- position to even be talking about the sort of momentum that we've created and you know after COVID and our three-year recovery plan um, I think the momentum that we've got now I think this is just going to be a really great year you know we we focused on some key objectives that we want to change and, and focus on for the year and one of them is the mm. service delivery side sure. and I think um, you know whilst we've been amazing on our service um, yeah. for the last couple of years and throughout COVID, I still think there's more that we can do there. And I think we're able to box a little bit clever, yeah. take on some new people, silo some roles and functions yeah. and improve the quality of our guest experience. And if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, wow, um, you know, what can they do? And, exactly. Um, but we've got some big things planned. And I think that's part of the momentum that we want to carry is that, you know, good is never enough. Mm. There's always more and there's always yeah. things to improve on don't want to change the recipe too much sure. but you just want to do better i think and i then I, I think i might have said it to you guys outside to you and john as well but there's something that feels different to me this time because look covid craziness whatever but there was ups and downs more downs and ups and whatever but suddenly for the first time since we started this it feels like something's different yeah i don't know what it is i, I think um the december break if, you know for people in the northern hemisphere and pretty much anyone outside of south africa i guess um, you know, the December break is a big one in South Africa. Yeah. Christmas here is brides, swimming pools, um, <laughs> cricket. It's not you quite know. a white Christmas. <laughs> no, it's the, by, it's the furthest thing from a white Christmas. Um, and I think that, you know, this, this was the first real Christmas that mm. we've had since COVID. Um, and I yeah. think that was a huge thing for a lot of people was to actually enjoy a Christmas without the worries of COVID. Who yeah. can come to your Christmas function? Sure. Um, you know, all of those sort of things. And... I think that's seen people return with a, a renewed energy. And I think as much as, you know, a calendar year for, for whatever reason becomes a huge bookmark for so many of us. Mm. Um, but this calendar year, it really did mark the end of the COVID chapter for sure. for us, I think, and for so many other staff. Yeah. Um, and so leaving that chapter behind, I think there was a new energy of people looking to come and write that next chapter mm. um, and to, to build on the past, yeah. but not dwell on the past. Yeah. 
it's almost like we've given ourselves permission to level up. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, we've also, we hit that that spot from a uh, from a business perspective, just going into COVID, mm. where I think we were on that exponential curve and we had yeah. some challenges of moving from a small business to perhaps a, a medium business and, you know, all the challenges that came with that. And yeah. then COVID hit and put us in our own homes and yeah. stopped us from looking at any of that any further. Mm. So we had to pick up the pieces of COVID, but also pick up the, that that little part of the growth curve sure. to try and continue that growth, even in a period mm. where there wasn't much happening. Yeah, um, and I think maybe that's why we've we've dropped back in not where we were, but in a you know a little further down the line yeah, yeah. and at a different point on that curve where you know everyone's got their roles, their responsibilities, mm-hmm. and I think we're slowly but surely finding our groove as a medium-sized business. Sure. I guess. Do, do you for yourself set goals inside of the business? And while you think about that, so I asked Matt something similar and also Apple Sammy, and both of them came up with discipline. So Apple Sammy said he wants to kind of be more disciplined and intentional about his decisions. And Matt said that he's not going to have a goal like I want to make money or get fit or whatever, mm. but discipline is his theme for the year. Do you do things like that? Like not resolutions, but within the business and maybe personally as well. Do you have anything like that? I think it changes. I, I probably do it on a more um, micro scale and look at each taking chunks of each week. Mm. Um, I think there's there's bigger picture things, things that I want to change and find more discipline and routines. And, you know, from a travel perspective, uh, that's difficult. And yeah. I think for all of the guys, you know, they'll echo those sentiments, especially if they want to put down fitness as a goal. Sure. Um, you know, go away for two weeks, get wined and dined for, <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for that time and try find a gap in between. It's, you know, it's difficult. And yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we tend to over index on our, on our guests when we're out mm-hmm. in the field, which makes perfect sense. Um, but I, I think it's, I just take things, um, Personally, I take it one week at a time and and just try and finish that week a little further down the road than where I started, mm-hmm. regardless if there's a little muddy patch that I need to get through yeah. or a big trench in the middle of yeah. the, the week. Um, and then, you know, you pick up where you left off the previous week and you continue to forge mm. forward. And we were talking yesterday with Lara about the, um, yes. you know, that uh, video on, on Instagram where the guy's climbing that staircase and falls over to the, yes, the yes, trampoline yes. on the side so and then bounces and rebounds back up. And so you've got to continue that energy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't have any real hard and fast goals for me personally. Obviously, yeah. set objectives as a, as a business, but uh, I just take each mm. week as it comes. It's kind of, and thank you and I have spoken about this in the past, but it's also, it's an approach for me that I've kind of leaned into is one is better than zero every day. Yeah. Just do something. And you've, you've often said to move the needle. Yeah. That to me, and I think... For me, that's it, and that's kind of also from a business point of view. What have I done today to move the needle? Yeah, and it might not—I might not sell fifteen Mara trips today, but have I moved the needle? One is better than zero. Yes, I have. Yeah, and that compounded thing—that's that's the long game. Yeah, and I think you know one of the approaches that I like to adopt with these things is, especially when it gets busy <laughs> and chaotic, and it's often like that. I don't think a lot of people fully understand. Mm. <laughs> you know, they say <laughs> I'm, I'm traveling a bit less this year. What what do you do? And it's the same for any of these guys. Sure. But, you know, when you come back, there's a lot of stuff that needs to, that's fighting for your attention and that needs to get done. 
And one of the techniques that I like to use is just to take a step back and, and see which of those things that need to get done are the largest or are going to have the greatest mm, impact mm. and start with that because sure. that immediately starts to help you feel like you're actually making progress yes. and getting on top of things. And that feeling is huge momentum. That it is. You can't keep going without that. If you could, and we've had kind of conversation around this, within the office and our guides, everybody, Matt on the other side and all the guys here, what advice would you give to them and also to someone coming into the industry of how to make the most of how to make a success of it what would that be the industry in terms of uh, guiding photographic guiding like what just, we're doing yeah yeah um it's interesting because so many you know we've seen the cvs over the years and mm-hmm. those cover letters where guys absolutely love travel and they love taking photographs yeah. um it's this is this is a selfless industry it's not about us at all um, there may be windows of opportunity where you know you're on a site visit or an extension and you're, you're scoping something out where you you really don't have to be guest focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's it is it's it's all about the guests and yeah. you know we've always said guests first always and there's so many other ways of putting it but everything that we do is aligned to creating and providing those yes. experiences for our guests. So I think that's the first thing is to have that mind set change mm-hmm. of this is not about you going out there and getting your photographs mm-hmm. this is about you curating and adding a whole new level to the experience for the guests yeah um you know we obviously charge for our time in the field so when you've got a private guide with you you've not only you you're not there for the joyride you know you, you've got to add value yeah. and it's photographically it's um, you know, experientially making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, this is the guest's favorite drink. Please, can we just put a couple of those yeah. in? Can we arrange for this pack? It's breakfast? the small things. You know, it's, it's the small things that make everything run seamlessly and that yeah. attention to detail. Um, and not working on top of the, the local guide, for example, but you yes, know, yes, if, yes. if you've got someone who's a little bit quieter or maybe intimidated by the fact that they've got another guide on the vehicle, mm-hmm. which often happens, it's then trying to, you know, kind of prompt that guide with some questions to get mm. him to open up, to engage and to start working as that team. Sure. So it's, um, it's quite a unique skill set. And I think for anyone who um, maybe was a professional photographer in a different genre looking to come across and doesn't quite have that guiding background, yeah. that's where they start to struggle and, and maybe fall a little bit flat is mm. in that crafting of the overall experience. You know, it's those, those subtleties yeah. and those little details of, having a chat around a, a fireside or picking up on attention and trying to manage mm. it without it getting to a point yeah, where yeah. it flares up. Do, do you, when you head out, because I mean, feedback from all of our guests on you, all of our guides are always amazing. When you go, just to get into Andrew's mind on, let's say a private, someone mm. books you for a private to go and photograph Ambassadi, mm. for example. How do you prepare and do you go in with a specific idea that you want to try and get out of the client do you take it as it comes how do you approach that how do you prepare for a trip like that i think that's where the facetime um you know getting on those calls with Mm. potential guests before they've even decided to book to say hey listen what what is it that you're looking for Mm -hmm. you've said you want to go to amboseli but what is it that you want to experience what is it that you're looking for um you know and and using that to to take it to the next level for them because either managing the expectations and saying, listen, I understand you want to go and see the big bulls. Sure. You know, they, they move around. We may not be able to get them on these days and access and off-roading. 
Um, so it's managing those expectations. Um, so it's it's almost like you do ninety percent of the work before you actually touch down. That's what I. That's bonus, absolutely. <laughs> on on the lake bed or absolutely. into into the area, um, and then you take everything from there as a bonus. Mm. Um, you know, there are some people that are more experience focused. So sticking with Amboseli, sure. You know, for them to just sit next to the vehicle and have a breeding herd walk past on the lake bed, mm-hmm. um, I've seen guests of varying. Uh, degrees of photography and, and interest in, in wildlife mm-hmm. just sit there being totally blown away. Sure. Um, but, you know, if that's what they're looking for, it's very different to someone who's there who's dedicated to putting together, let's say, a series of prints mm-hmm. um, to do an exhibition. It's very focused. And, that. you know, you get that brief, you're going to be working a lot harder. You're going to be working different angles. Mm-hmm. The equipment that you might say to them to bring yeah. is going to be different. And, you know, you might even go with a, a, a bit of a 1635 or, you know, just the whole approach to it changes depending on what the goal is yes. for those people. And I think that's one of the appeals uh, to many of the guests who do private safaris with mm-hmm. us is that they can have a specific goal yeah. um, and they can go after that unashamedly and without any concern for anyone else. Um, whereas that's in a huge. group environment, mm. you know, we got to, we as guides need to manage those expectations yeah. and try and balance that within the group. Mm. Your, your analogy that you've mentioned to the guides, I think you wrote it in the newsletter as well. The caddy analogy. Just share that with oh, us, yeah. please. Yeah. That, that's that's so, kind of spot on because whether the golfer needs it or not, they're there. How, how? So this is a weird thing because up until last week, I would yeah. say, you know, I don't play golf. But Oh, right. Know, <laughs> yeah. I think I did pretty well last week. You, you um, smashed that first one right on the green. I mean, what do you yeah. Want? I mean, beginner's <laughs> luck and it lasted for all of two holes, but uh, I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, I don't, re- I don't really play golf, but the analogy for me is that uh, you know, it's always been easy to relate to people who say to you, okay, well, you're a photographic guide. What is what is that? Mm-hmm. And uh, the analogy that I use is that we are photographic caddies. We, you know, we're in an environment that we're familiar with. We mm-hmm. know where the bunkers are in terms of photography and um, those sort of things. We understand animal behavior, vehicle positioning, light, mm-hmm. your camera gear. So we'll help you together with our local guide get into the the right position the right time mm. we'll help you to weigh up those decisions on whether you should hang on a little bit longer or whether we should go and look for something else and we'll help you to stay calm when you're in the thick of it when you you know all hell's breaking loose around you yeah. know, lions are chasing buffalo we're going to point you in the right direction give you the right settings just calm the nerves and help you to get the shot mm. um so yeah it's a, i think it's a great analogy it is because it still swings around the golfers, the guys are going to get the Swings birdie. Swings around, I like it. Swings, oh, I didn't even see that. You see now. <laughs> so, so the golfer gets the glory and the image is yours. Yeah, 100%. So it's not like, it's not like you're competing because there's still people once in a while that comes up, yeah, but I don't want to shoot because you're going to get the same shots. That's not what it's about. No. We're there to make sure you get your images. And the caddy, caddy analogy for me works beautifully. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's such an interesting one. They, I've missed, you know, obviously we take gear along with us. And for me, the, the main purpose of that is to show people composition, to show yes. them exposure, to give them an idea of what I'm thinking mm-hmm. about. Um, we're obviously not there shooting for ourselves. We don't like to shoulder charge our guests out of the way for photographs. Yes. Um, but having said that, there are times where, you know, something happens and you'll shoot from the hip, you'll pick up the camera, swing it around, and you'll get the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, will it be better than a guest's? Possibly. Who knows? It's just, you know, another little um, analogy there is that, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I think for the vast majority of the shots that uh, we're taking on these trips, we're getting lucky. Mm. Um, We're prepared and we know our 
equipment. We yep. know what's happening. And we get lucky because mm. we've just all of a sudden got an opportunity. And God, look, our reaction time might be quicker because you can see something and react quicker. That's yeah. where, and this is an interesting thing for me, and I'm going to mention Joni because she's probably the best example of this years ago where she's never photographed in the evening. Spotlights, mm. never. First time in Sabi Sabi. And that evening we get buffalo being hunted by lions in and around a waterhole. Yep. Most people lose their mind. She, she, yep. And I was sitting behind her like we always do. And she was shooting. And I said to her, when I tap you on the shoulder, just move your camera from your face to the side so I can see what's happening. Yeah. She didn't miss a blink and you got all the shots. Yeah. It's that trust as well. Yeah. Knowing that if Andrew says to you, listen, stop, just stop. <laughs> Don't finish because yeah. I see that. And I think that's also over time the, the trust that people have in us. And we can do those things. Yes. I'm not I'm not saying to you to stop shooting so I can get the shot. It's I can fix something for you. Make it better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that trust, um, it, it's an interesting one. The, uh, I've had guests when I say, you know, underexposed by three full stops. They kind of look back at you what? and say, what, three what? <laughs> um, and initially it might be, hang on, I'm not too sure where this is going. But it's then to follow that up with this is what the finished yes. product is. This is the vision that I have in mind. Mm. And. Um, you know, I, I'm very much about, uh, we did that Prezzo years ago at the seminar, which I'm very excited to be going yes. back and having a similar sort of seminar in Sabi Sabi and Mala Mala mm. next year with you. Um, but the, the presentation was, um, I think it was around art and I, you know, you, you move from simply representing a scene. Yeah. So literally documenting what's in front of you <clears throat> mm. to creating your own biased interpretation of yes. that scene. And Yes, you've got aperture, but exposure and shutter speed are probably the two biggest creative tools mm. that you can use to create that bias interpretation. So, um, you know, I use underexposure a lot. I also use overexposure. It all mm. depends on where it's at. But yeah. people don't fully understand just how far yes. you can push your exposures to create something different. Mm. And, you know, the whole scene is is completely different i remember a scene in the pantanal where this jaguar was swimming and it was in deep black water so you've Ooh. got dark trees reflected in the water which was dead oh, wow. still this jaguar jaguar is swimming and not a jugular the jugular uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, this jaguar is swimming and he's got this bow wave oh, literally wow. these silver streams breaking off of the front of the the animal and you've got this yellow subject against the yeah, yeah. pitch black water said to the guests, go in tight, underexposed by two, three full stops, and you see the difference. And everyone was looking at it, and you're on the back of the boat in daylight, and it looks all, you know, very dark, can't work it out. Get back, (coughs) have a look at the the image on a laptop, or once you understand where the histogram is lying, all of a sudden you see you're not even clipping blacks. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's exactly that. They they all got the shots. They all got the shots. And I think the, 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 where we got to this point in the in the chat is about pushing boundaries, mm. pushing people out of their comfort zones, and that's where the trust comes in. Is to mm. say, well, you know, I'm I'm in a comfort zone. This is how I'm usually shooting it. Someone's making a suggestion, and I've had guests who simply don't take up that opportunity, and that's also fine. Sure, it's, you know, each to their own. They some guests will look at the images that you and I create with intentional camera movements, like shutter speeds, and be like, yeah, it's not my game. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine. Um, another analogy is that, you know, on these trips, you, you're traveling along with your photographic toolbox and whoever it is that you're traveling with, whether yes. it's someone from here or another company, sure. you've got to decide, take the things that you like, which yes. speak to you, put them in your toolbox and start to understand how you can apply them and use them later on. Mm. Then there'll be things that you don't necessarily like and don't fit into your toolbox. 
leave them aside. Sure. It's up to you. Um, but the trust has got to come from, you know, you know, listen, guys, we're going to move around. We need another two meters. Trust me, if we go another four meters forward, we're all going to have this as the background. Yes. Um, you know, it's those sort of things which people don't necessarily see immediately. And yeah. as a trained professional, going back to the caddy, you know, we know the lay of the land. We know the difference. And in that moment, when you're getting so excited, we can see that there's an even greater opportunity yeah. if we change something. The shot you could get. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, taking it from just going from the norm, simply recreating what you see to creating your own bias yeah. interpretation. Do, do you think you or do you have a photographic style? Like when you go into the field and you get the chance to yeah. shoot, do you, for example, think I'm going to try and get in close? Do you think I'm going to try this, that, the other? Sure. You know, it's such an interesting one. I'm, I think years ago I did have a style of the animal in environment. Um, and I, you know, small animal, big scene. And I still love those kind of shots. Mm -hmm. um, it, maybe years ago it was with a wider lens, maybe a 70 to 200. Now I'm getting similar sort of things with greater focal length. Um, do I have a style? Um, I like moody scenes. I'm very much about light and shadows, mm -hmm. contrasts. I probably enjoy a little bit more contrast than most yeah. rich colors um, there seems to be a bit of an abstract vibe over the last while i love abstracts yeah. um uh, even kind of you know a little collection on my website of abstract extracts mm -hmm. and um i i love again it's that bias interpretation so show me something show me a buffalo without telling me it's a buffalo yes you know it's the detail it's mm -hmm. the horns and sometimes it may not be immediately obvious but when you get something that is abstract enough to be identifiable yes yet completely outside of the box that's the win that's when people go like wow i've never seen that aspect of mm. a giraffe or that aspect of a sunset on the river you know it's that's just the caddy pushing you well that's it and i i think you know you've said it years ago you know the world doesn't need sharper images mm. the, the, there's more images taken on a monthly basis now than they ever were in you know decades prior yeah. to this um and so to to try and get something different you have to try something different um and it doesn't always work it doesn't apply to every scene so i don't think you can go out thinking that mm -hmm. it's got to be there but in the back of your mind you've got to have this this kind of seed of looking for something different and yeah. unique out there is that what if what yeah. if i try this do, do you think a lot of i mean maybe your clients tell you but do you think a lot of people still don't try things because they're scared of what others are going to think or is it just a comfort zone that this is what I create and I'm not trying anything? I must say for the most part, you know, when I'm suggesting to people that they try something different, they they're, they're open to it. Yeah. Um, and they'll give it a go. And they may not like the result afterwards. Uh, they but they may tried. Not, they may not execute it. Sure. And I, again, you know, thinking back to that Pantanal trip, um, you know, it was our last evening on the on the river. We had we found this jaguar hunting close to, to the, the lodge. Um, on the bank, light was just fading and, you know, all the other boats had kind of disappeared because it was such low light. And to be honest, we were just photographing the whole time. I completely lost track of just how dark it was. Okay. Um, I think we were shooting at like a tenth of a second with high ISOs Oi. and underexposing as this Jaguar was walking along. And um, I mean, it was just shutters because you're on a boat. Click, click, it's click, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a bit of movement. The cat's moving, but you know there were these flowers in amongst the grasses as this jaguar was moving across. Stunning. So you get the streak, and this cat was just constantly on the move. And um, I don't know how many images were taken by all of the guests that evening, um, but by the time we stopped, 
we literally milked every last little bit of light out of that sighting. I mean, we were panning with high ISOs, and yeah, normally yeah, yeah, you, you yeah, don't yeah. do that, um, and wide open. And um, every single one of those guests got one panning shot at least of that sighting. And I asked them, I said, have you guys ever seen these kind of shots coming out of the Pantanal? Mm -hmm. And no one could actually recall an image that they'd seen from that. And so I'm sure there are, and there's photographers that are sitting on great images and sure. panning in low light there. But for these guys, that was the first time that we'd been able to create something like that mm -hmm. during our nine night adventure yeah. there. And they now had something completely different and unique yes. to add to that portfolio. It shows the movement. And again, you know, speaking to another level of photography is like capture the essence of your subject. Mm. So to mm. have that mm. element of movement as these cats move along the yes. riverbank and through the undergrowth captured in a single frame like that is just it's so special. Mm. And for me, it's so much more um, it makes for a more interesting image than a simple, mm. you know, a thousand two hundredth of a second pour up frozen jaguar yeah. walking along which the everybody bank. probably got as well yes and i posted one on instagram yesterday there so you but, go. Uh, <laughs> but you know so that that's the thing it's and and everyone loved that so to answer your question for the most part i think people absolutely do listen and they will mm. try it they may not like the results but more often than not they're like wow mm. I, I can't believe that i got that and to pick i mean it's and they're just adding to their toolbox Exactly. That's it. Maybe exactly. not today, but next time in the morrow, next time in Iceland, wherever, you can try different things. Absolutely. Mm. So, I mean, you and I have been traveling a bit less. This has been coming since the beginning. You and I, in the beginning, we did everything. Mm. And over the last year and going forward, you and I are specifically traveling less. What mm. does that feel and look like to you? It's great. Um, I think, you know, obviously with families and uh, that that's an important part and, you know, sacrificed uh, a lot over the years with the travel. Mm. Um so that that is a huge part and to be able to be at home more to be able to spend more time with my family and you know my son's in grade one now so mm -hmm. being able to be there for those moments the soccer games the athletics meets that sort of thing sure. um, is is really really a privilege and then from a business perspective funnily enough being more in the office really appeals to me and i think mm -hmm. you know there's there's an entre entrepreneurial element to why we started this whole thing and um, I think now I'm going to be able to execute on that aspect mm -hmm. a lot more consistently being in yeah. the office a little bit more yeah um, yeah it's you know I, I was chatting to some guests when we were in the Congo now and they're saying well now that you're traveling less and you're planning more in advance it's going to be more difficult to plan trips with you um, and my, my kind of answer to that is yes and no, but because there will always be an element of the scheduled trips that, that we'll host, sure. but that we can also move into a space where the demand is there. So, you know, we're able to curate groups of like-minded people who like to travel together and get along with us sure. um, well in advance. And, you know, as anyone who's listening will know, you know, if, if you're wanting to go to the Okavango Delta or to a prime area, which yeah. is... Um, you know, a popular destination, you get to have to plan at least a year to two yep. years in advance. 100%. If you're not wanting to compromise on where you're staying um, and for how long you're going to stay, the last thing you want to be doing is, is, you know, grabbing little bits of availability at camps which are not as popular as others. You're going to spend you want, big money, make sure it's right. 100%. So you've got to plan those sort of things in advance. And I think for us to be able to be in that space where we are planning, um, you know, pretty much going to close off my 2024 calendar before the end of this month and then i've got some exciting stuff for 2025 planned 
And um, that that's that's exciting for me is um, you know having the time to sell maybe some trips that are a little bit outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, so that's done just for people to understand. So we've got general travel mm. where custom. So Emma helps them. We book. They go do their thing. Scheduled from the second to the tenth. They're the trips to the Mara. Books six spots available. Andrew hosts. They go. Mm. The private is where someone books you, for example, just as you, and they can uh, lean into you, inspirational, creativity, yeah. and so on. The trips you're putting together, how exactly are you doing that, just so people understand? So that's still a private safari. Um, you know, a private safari with an individual or a private safari that's built around a group of individuals is still a private safari. Yes. It doesn't sit on the website. It's yes. not open to everybody. So where this works really well is, and we've seen it with so many of our guests, they um, meet for the first time in the Masai Mara. They have an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. They stay in touch. They do another trip together. And then before you know it, they're coming together saying, we want to go here, but we want Jerry as our guide. And we're wanting to stay a little bit longer. Mm. And so that gets crafted and pulled together. Um, and so the benefit there, you know, private safari typically for an individual is it comes at a premium because sure. of the cost elements in it. It's mm-hmm. a private vehicle carried all by a single person. But when you start to get two or three like-minded people together or four mm. or five, it sure, doesn't sure. matter. But as soon as you start to get those people together, then it becomes so much more affordable. And essentially you're planning a trip at a time of year that suits you to a destination that everybody wants to go to um, with like-minded people Who taking you know out you get all the with. variables mm. and um, you know it's it's specific to your needs mm-hmm. um, so I, and I, I think that people are enjoying that um, and I think that we've we've found guests that are as interested in their experience as they are the photography and so lovely balance yeah and it, and i think they're also weighing up the ability or the, the opportunity of traveling with those people that they know they get along with rather than having any outside elements mm. and i say outside elements but you know for, for the vast majority of our trips our guests are getting along so well wood, be- yeah. because of the fact i believe that all of our guides come from a guiding background. And when we're putting these things out there, we're, we're showcasing the natural world as much as we yes. are the actual photograph and the techniques around that. So it's not an intimidating thing. It's mm. it's a fun thing. And mm. so for the most part, people get along together and mm. are now starting to find mm. their people. Yeah. When, when was the last time you were on a scheduled safari where there was a guest that didn't know you, didn't know us, and just came in blank? Because most of mm. the time, People would engage on Instagram. They've yes. seen your work. They've yeah. done this. When was the last time that you had someone coming cold? Um, I, I think probably in for the Mara trips, that's where, if you were to put it as cold, mm. that you I would meet more people. New people. New people, yeah. yeah. And I think that's purely because it's, you know, it's such a popular destination and it really yeah. is a bucket list item. And so um, it's... The, for many people, that's their first. I mean, we've had first-time safari goes in the camp, yes, which is which is awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's still an element of contact leading up to that trip with those people, even but if just with the logistics team, exactly, mm. and with the guide. But you know, just that's often the the the, mm. the first timers. There's yeah. more first timers there for me than I think any yeah. other trips. We look. I mean, we've said this, it's a blessing and a curse to have this amount of return guests. So, from a growth point of view, there's the issue, but you get. It's a good position to be in. It is. And, you know, I think the, the most important thing is as long as those those first-time guests are becoming return guests mm. and finding that, you know, what they're looking for is and, and what we portray online yeah. is actually what we deliver. Mm. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing for so many people where I've heard yes. they've had bad experiences is that 
um, you know, the, the expectation versus reality is, is not quite there. And I think that's where the onus is on us to maintain those standards and to, to improve mm. um, moving yeah. forward. Last one, from a, from a wild eye point of view. So we've been going for how, 11, 12, 12 years yeah. now in August, hey? Yeah. Where do you see our biggest opportunity for growth, division-wise, destination-wise, anything? Where do you think we can take this? Where's, where's our opportunity? Um, I think... Because, sorry, the, the thing you mentioned about putting your groups together. Yeah. That's, for us, it's no risk. For the people, it's amazing. So that's that's a big deal. It is. It is. And I think um, I think that's going to be a, a big element for, for us moving forward. And I think the, you know, the, what we call the custom travel side of things, which, um, you know, there's no wild eye guide to accompany those people. But, and there's a lot of travel companies out there. And I think our unique selling point from that perspective is that you know if we send you to delini mm. in the sabi sands um we're not just going to send you there we're going to request room one because it's got the most amazing view here because that's where al enjoyed his honeymoon or that's where he hosted a private yes. safari so there's very few places um across the continent that our team haven't had first-hand experience in. Yes. And, you know, first-hand experience from a, from a selling perspective and managing and matching guests with their destination is mm. so important. If they're looking, you know, there's very, even in the Sabi Sands, there's a full range of lodges sure. and it all depends on the kind of person that they are. And you would have had to have experienced and seen all of those lodges and camps mm -hmm. to know which one's going to suit your client best. And I think given the knowledge base and the frequency with which we travel mm -hmm. to say, well, you know, that camp has particularly, maybe it's gone down a little bit yeah. or it's looking a bit rough around the edges or their guiding team has had some changes of late. So make sure you request this yeah. guy or, oh, the guests are interested in photography, but they don't really want a photographic um, mm -hmm. guide with them. Let's ask if we can request this ranger yeah. at that space. So, you know, he's really good with vehicle positioning and understands light. And I think that's where um, our team are. We've we've got a unique selling point in that. With the the wealth of information, firsthand travel and knowledge, and you know we saw it with our guests during traveling during COVID mm -hmm. because we were out there. People were looking to us yeah. um, for the latest updates, mm -hmm. um, and we were a hand one of a handful of people that were actually traveling over yeah. that time. So the knowledge base um, that can be applied to people that are looking to just travel. And, you know, we do get that. We have people who come through. They've learned an incredible amount with their photography. They don't necessarily want to join a, a scheduled trip anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily want to do a private guided safari. They may want to go away with their spouse. Sure. Um, we can still make that happen. Yeah. And I don't think um, a lot of people fully realize that or appreciate how booking through us and utilizing and tapping into this knowledge base can mm -hmm. actually benefit them. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's something... And when I spoke to Emma, it's on the podcast as well, it was about four or five episodes back, she mentioned exactly the same thing. Mm. She used to be a guide, and the amount of detail she goes into with people on, yes, more of this, no, not that, here's why. Yeah. It's golden. A hundred percent. You know, if, again, we recognize that every, every booking is an investment. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of money that people are spending to go and 100%. have these experiences, and we don't take that lightly. So mm. the onus is on us to actually provide the best mm. possible experience, yeah. value, and make sure that people are happy. And I would like to think that the fact that we have so many re repeat customers sure. uh, suggests that we're doing it right. Mm. 
Absolutely agreed. Listen, um, it's lunchtime. We have to go eat something. Thank you, Andrew. Um, appreciate what you've done with the senior management, and it's been a pleasure and privilege, man. Thanks, Here's to the next 12 years. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Good stuff. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll chat to you next time. Bye.